the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a minute before 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. It has been uh, a minute and a half since I have been able to be here with you all, have looked forward to uh, reconnecting. I'm Bob Lapine, and uh, always enjoy the time we're able to spend together when we can get together like this. I hope, I really do hope, that uh, whatever you've got going on for the next couple hours, I hope you'll be able to be here for the whole time. I mean, I I hope it's not that you're stuck in traffic and you can't get anywhere and that's why you're listening. I just hope whatever else is going on in your day, you're able to stay with us because we've got, in, in the second hour, we're going to be talking to um, a couple of friends who are going to give us an update on what is happening uh, in Ukraine, what's going on with Christian broadcasters in Ukraine, um, just some on-the-ground, up-to-date information from those who are living through this moment and are experiencing the un- the unbelievable. Uh, who Whoever imagined that this would be what life would be like for them and uh, so so we'll talk about that in the second hour. In, in this first hour, we're going to tackle a subject that I imagine is something that more of you than most of us realize. Uh, I imagine this is something that a lot of you deal with, and it doesn't get talked about very often. It It's something that people aren't, they, they just, don't know where to talk about what they're dealing with, how they're processing this. And and my hope, my prayer for this hour has been that our conversation here would be the beginning of a dislodging journey uh, for those of you who are uh, in, in the middle of what we're going to be talking about. And all of this came to light for me as, uh, as I w- had connected with uh, an old friend, a colleague, someone I've known for for decades, really, Sandy Brown. Sandy is a, a fellow uh, broadcaster. She's been in radio. Um, I, I was going to say as long as me, but that that would really date her. She's I don't think she's even really that old, but she's been she's been in radio for a long time. Uh, a, a successful Christian radio broadcaster, and just recently opened up in a in a book that she has co-written with her counselor Michelle Cock, who is also joining us. Sandy and Michelle have shared about the journey that that Sandy has been on in her own life over the last couple of years. The book is called Healing Out Loud, and the subtitle is How to Embrace God's Love When You Don't Like Yourself. And I, I just, as we, as we start off and as I get ready to introduce them, I just want you to stop and just go, okay, a little, little self-check. Not not what you would say to other people, but what's really going on in the inside of you with regard to how you 
think about yourself. Is there the presence of that voice that just keeps saying to you, you are unloved and unlovable. If people really knew you, they wouldn't like you. It's all a charade. I know people act like they like you, but it can't be real. Do you have that tape running in your head? Because Sandy did for a lot of years, and her journey of getting unstuck from that place is something that Michelle helped her with, and they talk about it in the book. So let me welcome both of them. Sandy, welcome to Southern California Live. Nice to have you on. Hi, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, and Michelle, nice to have you on as well. Well, thanks for inviting us. And Michelle and I communicated a a few weeks ago. I don't know how many of you are playing Wordle, but uh, Michelle's last (laughs) name was the correct answer back on February 15th, right? So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks. We, we paid a lot to get our last name on Wordle. <laughs> Are you playing Wordle, Michelle? I am. Well, I am now, definitely. <laughs> yeah, her first time at playing it was really successful. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and so we, we, we do this every day. I, I'll play first, and I send my my score to Marianne and, and how many it took, and then she sends it back to me. And it, it's become – the other day we were at lunch, and she said – I hope we have other things to talk about other than our Wordle scores as we have lunch <laughs> together today. So anyway, um, Sandy, I, I want to start just by unpacking uh, your story a little bit. And, and by the way, you're, it, took a, it took a lot of courage, as you say in the book, for you to take that first step to try to address the issue. But then takes even more courage to say, I think I'll write a book and tell everybody mm-hmm. about the journey I've been on. I mean, that's pretty heroic. Well, thank you. Um, Going to counseling didn't feel very courageous at all. Initially, it felt very scary and like I was admitting failure, (laughs) right? Like I've not figured out this life thing yet, and especially as a believer, I should have figured it out, and I should know both intellectually and emotionally that God loves me. Um, I, I knew intellectually that he did. It just felt like I was still unloved and unlovable, and I couldn't figure out the disconnect and why. So that didn't feel very courageous, but, um, Spending a year or so with Dr. Michelle Koch was really helpful in, in me seeing where that disconnect came from and, and getting some freedom in that area. Your feeling of inadequacy, um, we used to call it low self-esteem. I mean, I, I don't want to put a label specifically on it, but just this idea that, that there was something fundamentally flawed about you and you were basically unlovable. This goes back as, as far as you can remember in your life? Yeah, that was one of the first questions Michelle asked. How long have you felt this way? And I said, I've never felt any way but this. It's, it's my normal. And the older I got, though, and realized that it wasn't normal or good at all. But, yeah, I have always felt um, different, unloved, like no one really liked me. People tolerated me, but if they had their choice, they didn't really like me. I've just always felt that way. Michelle, I'm, I, I hear somebody say something like that, that it's always been present. And my first reaction is um, there had to be something that mom and dad did or didn't do. Or I mean, I'm, I'm thinking kids shouldn't innately grow up with that sense of, of being unloved. Is, is this, is this nature or nurture or a combination of both? Well, I'd say it's probably a combination of both. I think it's, it's a little bit of human nature to not come out of the womb so confident because we're born into a broken world. 
But at the same time, we often do hear these very early messages when we don't have resiliency built up, when we don't know anything else but what our parents or what even maybe our early childhood friends are telling us or our childhood enemies are telling us, we're almost a little bit in a vacuum until we grow up and get to the point where we kind of, as Sandy did, kind of take a step back and say, wait a minute, I think this is really affecting my life in ways that aren't beneficial to myself, to the relationships that are around me. And it's only at that point where you can kind of peel back the layers and say, well, what really happened to you in your childhood? What kind of messages did you get? And can we connect those to what's going on inside of you right now? Sandy, let me ask you, what what prompted you, what brought you to the point where you said, this thing I have dealt with for a long time, which I've been able to kind of manage and massage and keep kind of tucked away so that nobody sees it. I just live with it and it's low grade. Was there something that caused you to say, okay, I can't live like this anymore, a precipitating event, or did it just kind of slowly make its way to the surface and you just said, I got to deal with this? Well, I think for years I had thought if I just work harder or achieve a certain amount of success or raise kids well, or I mean, I think I thought that it was going to be overcome in some other way. And I tried really, really hard to be really, really good and do really, really good things. And I think some measure of that then, um, when I looked at my life, and it was everything I had dreamt for and prayed for and, and, and was full and rich and still struggled and wrestled like that, that's where the disconnect became even more obvious. Like, okay, yeah, I've always felt this way, but even now in this state of... Um, success and doing well and, and everything going fine almost accentuated the the hopelessness even in more, if you will. And so I don't think it was something that happened. It was just that, that nothing had changed it. And also being a believer and being in ministry. And I, I you know, I pour out to people every day and, and deliver hope and everything. And there was just some, something inside of me going, yeah, but, but you've not experienced it for yourself fully. And the combination of that was I just had reached a tipping point and reached out to Michelle and was like, I've got to get this figured out because I, I don't know what else to do. I've tried doing everything, and it just won't leave me alone. So it, it wasn't like there was some train wreck that caused you to say, okay, I, if, if I don't deal with this, I'm, uh, I'm going to make a mess of things. No, it was, um, no, it was nothing. It was, there was no life event. It was more the accumulation. I was 52 when I walked into her office, and I said, enough. I've, I've tried for decades to figure this out on my own, and logically, it makes no sense. I know God loves me. I look at my life, my marriage, my family. It's all good. Like, everything is quote-unquote good. Why do I feel so bad? And I just, that was it. I just walked in and and said, will you help me? If there's help, you know, I wasn't even quite sure that that there was, but um, I figured I had tried everything else. Why not at least try this? Yeah, we're talking to Sandy Brown and Dr. Michelle Kalk. Uh, together, they've written a book about Sandy's journey from this place of of feeling unworthy, unloved, um, and and embracing God's love when you don't like yourself. The book is called Healing Out Loud. Um, Sandy, I have to you you've been married for a couple of decades, got three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did your husband was he had to be aware at some level that this was inside of you? I had never verbalized um, how I was feeling, 
when I started going through counseling and then he and I started having some very vulnerable conversations and I began then to put words to what I had been feeling for decades, he didn't say I always knew it or what he did say was, I've recognized in you the ability to love others well. I've, I've also recognized the inability for you to receive love fully and well. And so that's what he saw. He really had no idea <clears throat> the extent to which I didn't like myself or this negative tape that played in my mind, how frequent it was, how loud it was. But he did, he did see that for whatever reason, he didn't know why, I wasn't able to fully... Uh, embrace and receive love from him or any, anybody else. Um, but, but he had never told me that, and I had never told him all of, all of my pain either. To, to carry all of this on your own for decades, as you've said, that's exhausting. It was an exhausting way to live, and I think that contributed to why I wanted to go get help too, because to live that way for 52 years was one thing to, to think of there being no other way to live than that was something I, I didn't really want to sign up for. So I, I wasn't depressed like I wanted my life to end. I just needed to figure this out. It was a puzzle, and I felt like all the pieces were in front of me. I just couldn't make sense of it. And as a believer, had the hope that Jesus was the answer. I knew I loved him fully. He loved me fully, but that still there was a barrier to still um, this sense of freedom and, and fully embracing emotionally what it meant to be loved by him. So, yeah, c- Christian counseling seemed like um, a desperate thing to do, but also something I hadn't tried yet that, that might have just pre- presented the answer, and it really did. Uh, Dr. Koch, um, I, I said at the beginning that I think this is probably more common, more prevalent than most of us realize. I think there are probably a lot of people walking around who would not be brave enough to say, I don't really like myself, but but that's really what they're wrestling with day in and day out. Um, do, do you think I'm right about that? I, I do. I do. And I think, uh, too, coming off of um, certainly a global pandemic and what that has um, kind of caused us to do to look more inward, um, and particularly in places of some isolation, um, I do believe that it's more prevalent than we think it is. Um, we do have a tendency to just go about our lives, right, um, with some semblance of some masks on that we're all okay and that we're doing fine. Sometimes we even just say that to ourselves. Uh, my husband and I were joking last night. We're like, we're okay. You're okay. <laughs> we're all okay. <laughs> And part of that is is survival, right, just so we can go about our business. Um, But truly, it it can come to the point, as it did for Sandy, if that's some big event, a loss, maybe something, a job loss, um, or a loss of a parent, that brings us to the point where we just say, well, is this enough? Is this what Jesus has for me in living the fullness of my life? And it does take some vulnerability and bravery to be able to recognize that and then take the step to say, no, I don't think this is quite enough for me in the way that I'm viewing myself and how I'm receiving love and, for some, how I'm giving love. Can I be confident even in um, giving love to others in such a vulnerable way? So, yes, absolutely, Bob, I do believe that um, it is, an endemic thing, and um, there there is hope, though, beyond it, as we've talked about in the book. 
And one of the things I'm grateful for with the book is it's not simply a memoir where you're uh, spelling out your journey, but each step along the journey is a step that a reader can can take. In fact, you say in the book, you hope that people will read slowly through this book and not rush it, but really process it and go on their own journey because this can be a part of what God may use to help dislodge them from their own uh, their own dysfunction in this. Um, Michelle, I, I, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this classic um, uh, skit that's on YouTube or floating around where Bob Newhart is playing a, a counselor and somebody comes into his office and um, says, I've got a phobia. And Bob Newhart says, I can fix your problem. It's $5. It'll take five minutes and you pay in advance. And uh, so the person tells the problem, and, and Bob Newhart looks at him and says, Is that it? That's your problem? Yes. And he says, okay, stop it. That's that's his answer. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and and the person says, well, well, no, it's it's like this. He goes, no, 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 no. Just stop it. And and the whole thing goes on like that. I, there, there's a part of me that as, as I hear about somebody who is going, I – Here's what I know is true. Here's what my emotions are telling me. And I'm thinking, well, you got to figure out how to drown out your emotions with truth. And I, for a guy who lives a lot in his head more maybe than I live in my emotions, that, that's become kind of easy for me to do. For, for a lot of people, that, that simple, just, just believe the truth and you'll be fine. That'll be $5 and you can move on. You know, that, <laughs> that doesn't work for oh, everybody, you were does my it? my counselor, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it would have taken a lot So, so is that, is that fundamentally that we do have to get to a point where we believe something is true that overpowers our emotions or is there more to it than that? Well, I think they work in cooperation. So I think that, um, there, there are absolutely, there are places for emotions because simply because God gave us emotions and the emotions are really the indicators about what's going on that then can lead you to seek out the truth. And so if we're able to pay attention to our emotions, if they're the good emotions like the joy and the peacefulness, those are indicators that things are going good and you should probably continue to do what you're doing that's bringing you that joy and that peacefulness. Um, If the emotions are the harder emotions like anger and uh, jealousy, envy, well, that's pointing to a truthfulness that you need to unpack those emotions and understand what are they indicating inside of me that then I can move through those emotions, recognize them, call them out for what they are. You know, we're not very good at, I think, developing an emotional language. Mm Mm-hmm. So recognizing them for what they are, and then the cognitive piece comes. Yeah, yeah and, and Bob, too. Go ahead, Sandy. I was just going to say, too, um, I think your stop it assumes that there's the ability to stop. <laughs> it assumes the well-being, right? So, for example, But if you had somebody who had a broken leg, you wouldn't say, well, just get up and walk. Right. You would tend to the wound, and then the expectation of them walking comes with that. And I think that's what Michelle recognized, was that there were reasons behind the emotions. And discovering that and tending to those wounds made me healthy enough then to 
stop sometimes, right? Oh, this is, this is shame right? to recognize that. But in my wounded state, I just wasn't able. So that, that's, in hindsight, what I see now is that, yes, it makes perfect sense to say to somebody who has the ability and wherewithal to stop, stop. But if there's a wound there that is creating a dynamic where they're, they're really not in a healthy enough place to even see things clearly or to react uh, in a healthy way, you've got to tend to the wound first. And, and you guys talk about emotions as warning lights on the dashboard that tell you we need to look under the hood. We need to see what's going on here. Where did the where did the wiring get shorted out? Where did what what caused this warning light to come on? Why is the car driving in this particular direction? I think that's a good metaphor, a helpful metaphor in this whole journey. As you look back, was were, were there one or two factors in your life, Sandy, that wound up being kind of the the major uh, culprits in in putting you on a direction of of feeling inadequate. What I learned, what I knew all along was that there was a broken family. My dad left, and stepdad number one, stepdad number two, and 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 some abuse and things like that. I knew all of those as memories. What I didn't realize until counseling was mm-hmm. that they were connected directly to my struggles as a fifty two year old woman, because I had took messages from those memories like. You're not wanted. When your dad left, he, he left you because you weren't good or you were unloved and unwanted. Um, when abuse happened, right, you're just damaged and you're broken. Um, that's all you're worth and, and things like that. And so that's the part that I didn't realize. I thought I had put memories behind me and had been able to move past them and thrive in life. And, but the messages lingered, and that's what I didn't realize, that this negative tape playing in my mind was really a replay of the messages taken from that painful experience and, and, and memories. So, yes, it was, um, yeah, being emotionally abandoned. It was uh, abuse and the messages that carried on from that that still played havoc in my mind, um, you know, decades later. We're talking with Sandy Brown and with Dr. Michelle Kalk together. They've written a book called Healing Out Loud, How to Embrace God's Love When You Don't Like Yourself. I'm just thinking that there may be some of you listening who can relate to this, would want to join this conversation, would would want to share your own story and maybe figure out what's the step you need to take to try to to deal with this uh th- this issue that is going on in your life. Our number is 888-52-TALKS if you want to join the conversation 888-528-2557 is the number, and uh, we'd be happy to have you join in and talk about how you get unstuck from this way of thinking that can be so prevalent, so dominant in somebody's life. We're going to take a time out, continue the conversation as your Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on a Wednesday afternoon on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about how to embrace God's love when you don't like yourself. A book called Healing Out Loud, written by Sandy Brown and Dr. Michelle Koch, who are joining us, uh, outlining Sandy's journey in this direction. And as I said, you're invited to join the conversation. This may be a part of your life story as well. And I'm, I, my hope, my prayer is that just addressing the subject might might lead some of you into the place where you can get unstuck from some of this. Our number is 888-52-TALKS, 
888-528-2557. Before we go to Karen, though, I I, want to ask, um, I've just, I finished, just turned in the manuscript for a book that's going to be out in the fall that's about marriage. It's about uh, how, how to strengthen a marriage relationship. And one of the things I talk about is how most of us have no idea that the marital challenges we're facing may have deep roots that go back into family of origin uh, patterns, that go back into trauma that we may have experienced during childhood or during our teen years. It, it may relate to guilt or shame that we kept stuffed away. And so what we think of as marital dysfunction really is tapping into some of this old junk that never got addressed in our lives. And Dr. Koch, I know even saying it, even writing it, I I kind of felt like I don't want to lapse into, pardon the expression, but psychobabble, you know, where everything's anchored to your your childhood trauma. But, boy, that's real stuff that that – that uh, kind of leaks into our adult relationships and can sabotage a lot of them, can't it? I, absolutely, and um, congratulations <laughs> on having the book come out. We know how much uh, work and blood and sweat and <laughs> tears and prayer that takes, so that's wonderful. We look forward to uh, reading that. Um, and it, it does, Bob. I think um, there is, it's the matter of two human beings that have their own history coming together, and we learn early on from our family of origin what it means to be in relationship with other people. So, of course, we're going to carry that example into our marriages. And oftentimes, we don't really know about how that's going to look. And, you know, they always say that the first year is the worst. Um, (laughs) Usually, that's the hardest to adjust to one another. Um, But certainly, Throughout a marriage, there may be times where old family of origin stuff is is sparked off, depending on where you're at in the marriage and what occurs. So, you know, my encouragement there is to look at it in balance of what is really family of origin um, roots that are causing issues in a marriage, and really what's the dynamic between the couple in the present day, and how are you working through things like conflict management and communication um, and so I, I think you have a very valid point there to, to look at that in balance. Yeah, don't don't necessarily excuse what's going on today by saying, well, that's just how I was brought up. But don't ignore that either. I, I think that's exactly. the point. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. If you'd like to join us, Karen is with us from San Diego. Karen, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Um, I'm enjoying your program and the topic of what you're talking about, and I can relate to what you're saying um, um, about the emotional um, language. Um, And I agree with you because I've experienced emotional abandonment, and that uh, created a a set of glasses, so to speak, that I filtered, um, you know, unbalanced. Uh, relationships and connections with going forward because I didn't have the skill set to know how to break it down. And now that I'm older um, and um, I have a recent um, death in the family, I'm I'm learning that when I get physical pain, like in my stomach, it's connected to a buildup of emotional, um, you know, things that I'm I'm not addressing. But all that to say that, do you have any... um, 
uh, feedback on how do you start developing your emotional language? Because I think that that's really at the heart of, you know, pivoting forward with a healthier footstep. And um, so that that's what my question was. That's a good question. Uh, Michelle, you want to tackle that first? Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for this. Uh, hang on. There we go. We got you back. Go own. ahead. Oh, it sounds like you've been through your own significant journey, Karen, so I appreciate you sharing that. So it it's a process that takes time. Um, you know, Sandy was in um, counseling for about a year. Um, some people it takes less time. Some people it takes more. Um, there's all sorts of variables. And so I think um, when we're learning a new language, it takes a little bit of patience and a lot of effort um, in both ways. So my first recommendation, there's a neat little tool um, called the Feelings Wheel. And if you uh, search the internet for it, it is um, available for free and widely available. And the feelings wheel essentially um, helps you discern what kind of emotions are going on for you at that moment and um, describes it for you. Is it really anger or is there more going on under the surface that would more accurately describe it? And then my recommendation there is um, to do something really practical, just to sit in that moment um, with the feelings wheel and with a piece of paper in front of you and just simply say, what is going on with me right now? And even if it is, you know, the primary emotions, anger, sadness, that's okay. You're developing some sort of emotional awareness. And Karen, I love that you tied um, the emotional upset to something that's going on in your body because our bodies are oftentimes really good indicators, too, that something is going on that we just can't really describe yet. And so that's a really neat pattern to be aware of. So then you know, wait, my stomach's upset, or, oh, I'm getting a headache, and it's not just allergies. Let's sit down for a moment and just pray and ask God to help us understand what emotion is this and what am I supposed to do with this? And the the emotional language, I know for me, one of the helpful things was saying it out loud, as, as you just said, Michelle, look at the wheel and put words to it. And um, it was astonishing. There was a lot, I think, um, that I learned from my own words, right? So once you begin to, um, okay, I'm feeling this way, and, and, and talk it through. So being vulnerable enough to tell someone how you're feeling could be really beneficial. They may help you interpret and put words to it, but it invites you into a conversation and a dialogue. As long as it was pent up inside of me, I never progressed and, and got healthy, but starting to put words to it, even if you're unsure what the words are. For example, one of my pet words in counseling was just stupid. Like, this is stupid. Like, it was the only word I could come up with, right? But then gradually I graduated to other words that, you know, well, this is painful or I'm sad or whatever. But initially it was, everything was just stupid. So I would just say start where you are and put the words out loud, get them out loud, and trust that um, someone that you're speaking to that loves you can help you discern. Sandy, did you did you print out the feelings wheel and have it at your desk, or did you have it on your on your phone where you could pull it up? Or and did people know what you were looking at? Uh, no, actually, the feelings. I just wrote it down. I'm like, ooh, that would have been really good. Uh, no, but talking through them, honestly, before even struggling with the words, it was. I don't know that I even wanted to know what I was feeling. Hmm. I think we were a little afraid of our feelings, 
And so I was not eager to say it, to look at a wheel and see words about it. Like all of that was just foreign and um, scary to me. So honestly, sitting down with someone I didn't know who did not know me um, that could guide me through the process was just so helpful to say, okay, now we know what I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? So, um, yeah, the most beneficial thing was just talking it out, being brave enough to put the words out there and go, I don't know what this is, but here's, here, here are all the pieces on the table. Karen, thank you for your call this afternoon, and thanks for bringing us into your story. Uh, I, 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 can't we all just watch the, the Pixar film Inside Out, and that'll fix everything for us? <laughs> well, and Bob, you talk about fix. That's, I went into this literally going, okay, we're on the clock, fix. Like, right, we all want a solution. We want to be better. We want it now. And to me, some of the journey was just realizing that um, God sometimes does his best work over time i.e. creation, um, and even raising Jesus from the dead, so good things can take some time. And also realizing, I'm not so sure there's a fix to how we've been shaped. I think there's redemption and salvation and transformation, like God is making us new. And then I also think some of this is a battle. Some of this is, um, I need to battle those negative thoughts on a daily basis, now that I recognize what they are and where they come from, they're not as loud and they're not as disruptive. But I, I don't know that I got fixed. I think that I discovered healing and the ing is important, that it's an ongoing journey until we see Jesus face to face. But it's just, when you said fix, I'm like, oh, that used to be my word. Like, <laughs> I want to get fixed. And, um, yeah, I, don't, I think the process is the reward. W- yeah. Would you say today you are... Um, 90% better with, with occasional outbursts of emotional overwhelming? Or what's your current status <laughs> on this journey? Well, maybe my former counselor would be best suited to, to give that. But I, from how I feel, I am much, much better. I still have little triggers where I'll get out, you know, bend out of shape for a little bit. But that time frame is much less. The disruption to my life is much less. And I can navigate, I can recognize what it is, give grace to myself, understanding and navigate through it in a much, much healthier way. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe 90%. I don't know, <laughs> Dr. Michelle, how, how much better am I? <laughs> if only we had the data to measure that. <laughs> but I think the big thing is, too, um, y- you know you're going in a really good direction when other people comment mm-hmm. on it. And I've heard for you, Sandy, um, that people have commented that it just feels like you're lighter like you're working out of a place of more freedom and even more like authentic joy. And that says something about the healing process, right? Yeah. When other people can see it. And yeah. that's just like, oh, that's just so good. <laughs> Our number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We're talking with Sandy Brown and Dr. Michelle Koch. Together, they've written a book called Healing Out Loud, How to Embrace God's Love When You Don't Like Yourself. Going to take more of your calls after we take a quick time out. Stay with us as your Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on a uh, Wednesday afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking about how to embrace God's love when you don't like yourself. Sandy Brown and 
Dr. Michelle Kalk talking with us this afternoon. They've written a book called Healing Out Loud that chronicles Sandy's journey through this process of coming to a point where she was able to uh, to clear away some of the fog and begin to uh, see herself as God sees her. Uh, we've got Diana on the line in Stanton. Diana, thanks for joining us on Southern California Live. Nice to have you on this afternoon. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I um, I was listening, just kind of got into the program. I don't know that it's coming on, but I was driving and came across your program. Um, it caused me to think about my husband. Um, we've been married six, well, 16 plus years, but he was really doing episodes at first. I don't know if you understand that. I don't need to say anymore, but he was having, they called it, they, they, they diagnosed him manic something, mm. bipolar, mm. depressant. Yep. So uh, then he just stopped doing it last year because he came back home. His big thing was when he'd go through that was he'd always want to leave, said God is calling him, and he got saved to his 14. So anyway, he seemed to really have, I don't know what happened on the inside. I've talked to him, but he's not doing that anymore. Last year is when he stopped it in June at all. He's just not going off, just anything that that involves, you know something about it. Okay, now, so what what I'm thinking about when I heard them talking about, Sandy talking about her emotions and having a great life and then finally like, wow, what's going on with me is my husband has burst fits of anger. He doesn't hurt, do anything to anybody, but it's just what he says, his tone goes, ah, you know, and then he, he, he and I'll say, okay, that's anger. Hmm. And then he'll say, no, I'm good. But I think it's from abuse. And the other thing he has is where he does something like it just doesn't make any sense. He just does something. I might say, would you put the bag over there? And he just does something different with it. I just like pour it out or just something. It's just in a little small moment. And I figured, I said, you know what? That's from the abuse that he hadn't dealt with. This trauma, a behavioral therapy told me that. Uh, you know, the test they can do, and y'all mentioned the ceiling wheel. Yeah. So that yeah, in fact, I want to I want to jump in here, Diane. I want I want to ask uh, Michelle to speak to this because Michelle, sometimes the ability to deal with our emotions, there may be some biochemical connection here that goes beyond just what our childhood programming was or what our emotions are telling us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. There are um, particular clinical diagnoses that uh, tend to have some of the symptoms that include anger. So, yes, absolutely, they they can be a part of um, both this environmental kind of cause that we're talking about here about trauma or abuse, um, and it also can be part of the symptomology of a clinical diagnosis. And and Sandy, I'm wondering about you. Was was anger ever a manifestation for you of uh, what you were feeling? So interestingly enough, I wasn't one who like had rages of fit or expressed external anger. But while in counseling, and maybe three quarters of the way through, um, it was obvious that I was carrying some really deep seated anger. And so yes, we ha- I one I had to acknowledge that, and I didn't want to. Who wants to acknowledge that they're angry? Um, and But yes, I was angry that something had been done to me that I didn't choose or want. I was angry that 40 years later I was still...
dealing with that and that they were still, in essence, hurting me. There was just deep-seated anger that we had. That was a part of what we navigated through, and there's a chapter in the book about that because um, I would have never guessed that I was an angry person or that I was angry until it started to, um, yeah, come to the surface in counseling, and then we dealt with it, and and I can see now how it just felt a little bit like I would get more angry at other things than I should before, right? And now that that, whatever you want to call volcano or whatever, has erupted and is now over, that's just not in place. Short answer, yes, anger was something that I would have never guessed was there, but that definitely was. We're talking with Sandy Brown and uh, Dr. Michelle Kalk about the book Healing Out Loud and Sandy's Journey. Diana, thank you for your call. Ray and La Mirada, thank you for joining us this afternoon. You're up next on Southern California Live. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lapine. I really value KKLA and the terrific sustained ministry you have here in L.A. Yes, my name is Ray. I'm here in La Mirada. I'm 70 years old, uh, retired, happily married. Uh, for 40 years and blessed with four sons that love the Lord and seeking Him and grandchildren. But I'm 70, but I must confess, I'm a wounded soul. And uh, emotionally, I'm probably in my 20s. And my question to, to you is, is there, I know there's Alcoholics Anonymous groups, and uh, not that I'm an alcoholic, but I was wondering, is there any Emotions Anonymous group hmm. that you could point me to in La Mirada that, or here in Southern California? I'd be willing to drive wherever to see if I can get it some assistance with uh, my emotional immaturity and my my struggles. Boy, Ray, that's, uh, that's bold for you to step forward with that. And Michelle... Um, apart from one-on-one interaction with the counselor, are you aware of anything that are that's that's group work or that they, I, I'm not aware of an emotions anonymous, but anything like that that you're aware of? I think probably um, the closest that we may get um, in peer support in this to know that um, others are going through something similar that you are can be so powerful. So I do I do recommend it. I think probably the closest might be a Celebrate Recovery, and those are nationwide. Um, so in each group has its own different flavor. So, Ray, I encourage you to um, connect with the Celebrate Recovery group that's closest to you and see how they do things. See if it's a good fit for you. And again, Ray, I, I just commend you for um, being an example of it's never too late to work on these things. Good, yeah. good for you. And if I can encourage and pray over uh, your journey from here, uh, we'll certainly do that. Why don't you just can you do that right now? Would you mind praying for Ray, Michelle? Absolutely. Ray, we're so thankful um, just that you came to this place. And, and so, God, we. We pray to you about um, his step forward, his step of bravery, even when it doesn't feel like it, to just even call in and say, what can I do with this? And so, God, we trust you from here that you will lead him to the right place of where he is supposed to be so that he can move through to his own emotional healing. We know that um, there is freedom there. We know that there is peace there. Because that is what you you have for us, God, even here before we get to see you face to face. 
And so we just ask that you um, bless his steps and you lead him um, in the right direction um, towards what he needs. And God, thank you for knowing his heart and his needs. We appreciate it, Ray. Thank you for calling in. And I'd just recommend, yeah, Google Celebrate Recovery. You should be able to find where there's a Celebrate Recovery around Southern California. And uh, probably a local church has got the program going on. And check that out. And as Michelle said, see if that's a good fit for you. Um, Sandy, at what point in, in your journey with Michelle did you start to let, I guess you let your husband know right away because because there are bills coming. You're, I mean, that's something showing up on the credit card uh, every month or you're writing a check to somebody. So he, he's in on the journey. When did you start to let friends and coworkers know you were seeing somebody and trying to deal with this issue? Towards the end, to be honest. I don't think I had confidence before then to do that, but uh, Michelle mentioned, and it's in the book, called calling them vulnerable conversations. She said, I think you're ready to honestly share um, who you really are, all of you, and to let some other people into to your life and into your story. Trusted people, of course. And um, so it was many, many months into the journey, and it was scary. Even to have a vulnerable conversation with my husband, who had no idea of the pain that I had been dealing with and the abuse and things, was scary. I mean, on the surface now, I look at it, I'm like, why was I so afraid? But it was because I was unrehearsed, and I had no real experience of, hey, if I'm vulnerable and I let you see a real personal part of me that you won't hurt me and you won't run away from me. So once I um, had that first conversation, there were many more to come. But, yeah, it was months and months into the journey. I think, I think Michelle knew I needed to be ready. And um, I don't know what all the earmarkers of that were, but it, it took some time to get ready. And what was your experience in opening up about this with staff or friends or people at church? What kind of response did you get from people? Overwhelmingly supportive. And all of the fear that had been in my mind that if, well, if they really knew me, they won't like me or they will run away or, or they'll think I'm a bad person or a bad Christian, just none of that was well-founded. I found that the more I shared and becoming vulnerable, they were vulnerable back. Yep. They gave me the gift of acceptance, which was what I always wanted, right? right. But it started with me leading with some vulnerability and was just always met with a great deal of compassion and understanding. You know, a gift James- that I would have never gotten. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a lot of what you're going through was ways you were sinned against. But, but clearing this up, when, when we are open and, and transparent with one another, there's great healing that happens in there. And Michelle, you talked about it, how a group can help with all of that. I hope our listeners uh, have benefited from this conversation. I hope they'll get your book, Healing Out Loud, and and that many of them will begin a journey toward trying to address some of this stuff that's going on in their own soul. Uh, grateful to both of you. Thanks for taking the time and being with us and sharing your story this afternoon. Bob, thank you. And if I could just say, there's a healing map in this book, not a formula, but a path to a journey of healing. And so I encourage Karen and Diana and Ray and others who may have not called in to say, if you're wanting to develop a language, if you're wanting to take a journey, hope is out there. And maybe this book will be a great start with a map that Michelle created to help you navigate towards healing. And and that would be our prayer. Yeah. Thank you both. Good to have you both on. We're going to break. And when we come back in the second hour, we're going to talk about what's going on in Ukraine and get an update on all that's happening over there Stay with us as your Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.